shift into an attitude of gratitude. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show. I'm your host, and today I have a special treat. I have Brian Proctor, and he was born in 1961 in Toronto, Ontario, a fellow Canadian. The same year, his legendary father, Bob Proctor, was given the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which began his father's 60-year journey into personal development. To, for close to 30 years, Brian worked alongside his father as he taught some on some of the world's largest stages. And Brian found his niche in marketing and business development. In very early years in, of the internet, Brian originated idea, built an email list to create value and a platform for his father to share those teachings. This idea set Bob Proctor's company up for success by opening door early to email list building long before it was an industry standard. As an online marketer, Brian was consistently the top affiliate in large product launches which, with joint ventures bringing millions in commissions and giving many entrepreneurs their first opportunities with the large audience to share their products and services. Brian attributes his success to the lessons he has learned over the years from his father in creating lasting relationships. Today, Brian is self-employed and lives with his wife, Corey, on the south end of Puget Sound in Washington State. He is living his dream life well spent near the water, enjoying nature at its finest. And please welcome Brian Proctor to the show. Well, thank you very much, Deborah. It is great to be here and, uh, and an honor to be with you. Well, Brian, like I was talking to you in, um, when we just got started that I was introduced to you by Lori Munzer on Facebook. And, you know, it's often those less than six degrees of separation that people are connected these days. And I myself have not met Lori, but we have mutual uh, friends and how these connections form are very, very powerful. And one of the things, you know, I was sharing that I have been listening to this audiobook. I'm on my third round of listening to the audiobook. And sometimes I have paper with me, sometimes I don't. And today I decided that I had went on a walk this morning in nature, looking at the beauty and listening to the book and thinking of all these questions I could be asking. And today I thought, you know what, I'm just going to be the instrument and allow those questions to flow through me and trusting in your father's guidance as well, um, who I've listened to for many, many years. But one of the things that stood out for me is I want to showcase. So the book that you have that just came out is my father knew the secret growing up with Bob Proctor. And, you know, that's when I think I was first really introduced to your father was through the secret created by Rhonda Byrne. And I've been watching interviews of her recently as well. And I would just, I want to know, let everybody know a little bit more about you before we dive into talking more about the book and your, and your dad. But, you know, you had been working in a completely different industry 
wanting to make your own mark in the world. And I would love for you to share a little bit that what transitioned you and what sparked your interest in moving into the area of personal development? Well, that's a good question, Deborah. So uh, for, for you know those listening, I actually come from a real estate background. Um, I got into real estate when I was quite young. I was 26 years old. Um, became a real estate agent in the city of Toronto. And I mean, you know, growing up with Bob Proctor as a father, obviously I learned a lot from him and I used a lot of his teachings uh, when I started in real estate. And my first year in the business, I was in the top 100 for a very large real estate company internationally. And it's because I applied those principles. Well, after, I don't know, 12, 13 years in the business, uh, my father has had always been trying to get me to come into his business and work side by side with him and, and help with the marketing of, of what he was doing. And so it was probably around 1998, 1999, somewhere in there, I decided it's time. Um, you know, dad and I were very close. Uh, we, yes, we're father and son, but we're also close friends. And it was kind of a joy to, uh, to get to work with him. And I got to work with him for the last, you know, 25 years before he passed away. Um, so, you know, it was just, it was an opportunity to join him to kind of up level what he was doing, uh, in kind of contributing in my own way in the marketing end. And, um, I'm really glad I did, uh, because it, uh, it, it created a, a further relationship, further bond with him that I probably wouldn't have had if, uh, if I didn't work by his side for so many years. So what was it like, like as a youngster, you know, I think you were a teenager when he really got into the personal development world to have your father teaching these messages. And I know he did it subtly in the household in the fact of leaving books strategically in, by the bedside table. Um, how did it feel to have someone, you know, guiding you in such a way? Because um, everything that I've listened to, everything that I've watched of him, he didn't seem like he was a person that was going to push it on you. But he had a way of getting you to pay attention in a subtle way. Right. Well, you know, he always said force negates. And, uh, and, and he, you know, he says, if you try to force things on somebody, they're going to instantly push back and repel. And uh, you know, so for me, his his way of teaching was really by sharing the experiences that he was having, what he was doing, when he was successful, when he wasn't successful, and and what he was doing to get past things. And as you say, he would he would leave books and little magazines and different things out all the time that you know I could just pick up and look at. And um, you know, he led by example. I really think that was the great thing about him. He didn't preach at me on how to live. Um, mm -hmm. He really lived by example. And because I got to watch what he did and how he did it, um, it was a great way of growing up. And, you know, for you, you mentioned the movie, The Secret, a lot of people that don't know, you know, my father was really a pioneer in the personal development industry. And he did not make it in a really big way until The Secret came out. Well, what a lot of people don't know is he was 72 years old when that movie came mm -hmm. out. And that's what really propelled him onto the stage where he was on with, you know, Larry King, uh, Eldon DeGeneres, all these different things that really opened him up to a whole new audience and really let people see who Bob Proctor was and what he was about. So, yeah. yeah. 
And you know what I find most powerful about that is people will be of a certain age and they start discounting themselves. You know, we're concerned about a society, you know, ageism that you can't pursue your dreams and goals. And then at some point, someone said, hey, you're 65, you need to retire, you need to do these things. And I come from family members who are beyond 70, still working. So I, I can see where those passions are. Sometimes I'd like them to slow down based for the, for their own health, but I can see that that's where their passion is and for them to grow. And I guess what I want to ask you is, you know, watching your dad at those that age and, you know, people who are maybe 40s, 50s listening to us right now, knowing that you might not be where you are right now, but the power of thought, power of mindset, you can continue on. And age will not be a factor. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, dad was still teaching and studying at 87 years old. Uh, you know, the 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 year he, when he passed away, he never stopped working. the The word retirement to him was almost like a, a disease. <laughs> um, and and you know, he just he had a passion for what he was doing. He had a passion for teaching, uh, you know, the material of personal development and how to live a better life. And it was a passion that was so strong that he wasn't willing to sit back and just watch life go by. He was going to take part and help as many other people live a great life. And that's that's something I really loved about who my father was. And, you know, here I am now in my 60s. And yes, I could sit back and just relax and enjoy life. Um, but, you know, I'm out promoting this book um, because I know it is a it's a powerful way to share with the world who Bob Proctor was, not just mm -hmm. as a speaker on stage, um, but as a father and what he was like as a father, as a family member, and how he taught yeah. me to live a better life. Um, and, you know, through that, I get to share all the lessons that I had from him growing up and um, and really help contribute to, to showing people how they can, you know, at whatever age they're at, live a better life and improve. Right. Well, one of the things that I know that, he read Think and Grow Rich over and over and over. And and I and I thought about that this morning as I was walking and listening to your book, you know, My Father Knew the Secret, how many times that it will take me to actually, you know, ingrain every single message. Or when we say, you know, you have to pick up a book at least six times. I think I'm looking over, I look at my library and I'm like, I've met, usually read one or once or twice. But to think that you are in a different place every time you read a book, who you are, how you show up, it could be years, and it could be just yesterday that you learned one lesson that suddenly gave you a aha. Because I know that Think and Grow Rich and You Squared and um, As a Man Think It were some of the most powerful books that I've heard him mention. At what age did you start reading Think and Grow Rich? I was probably in my late teens when I started reading it. Um, and I now I will be the first to confess, I never read it the way my father read it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a, a couple of months ago, Deborah, I was doing a webinar with a group of people in Copenhagen. And I was in Toronto at the time. So I was staying at my father and Linda's house. And I was in dad's studio uh, doing this webinar. Just it's it's kind of a cool place to sit and and to be when when I'm doing something online. 
And I asked Linda, I said, Linda, can I have that book, uh, you know, Dad's Think and Grow Rich book and just use it for the webinar? She said, of course. And so she got it and, and, and gave it to me to use. And just holding it, I could feel my father. Um, and yeah. for, for those of you listening, he studied that book every day for 60 years. Well, this book, you can tell how well studied it was. There was a big rubber band holding it together. And when they took the rubber band off and opened the book up, the pages would all fall out. And many people tried to give dad a new book or try to get that book rebound. He would have nothing to do with it because for him, this was his friend along his journey. And you want to talk about the power of study. He studied that book every day for over 60 years and it showed. And he was always of the opinion that you can never study good material enough. You can never know it well enough. And it's like you said, every time you look at something or you read something of that nature, you're looking at it from a different viewpoint. Your, your life is at a different stage than what it was even you know a couple of months ago. So you're going to see things that you might not have seen when you read it a little while ago. Um, so he was he was a big proponent of, you know, good material to study it regularly. And in his case, forever. Um, he, and, and, and he really showed the value in that. Yeah. And one of the things, and maybe you can help help me with this, is when he studied it, and I just want people to understand how he studied it from, from what he's ever shared, is that he didn't go read the chapter. Like he would read in short segments and really reflect and ingest the material. Yeah, he actually had something that uh, he he got this from Earl Nightingale. Um, Earl Nightingale was his one of his early mentors. Um, he worked with Earl Nightingale for quite a few years um, out of Chicago. And the first time he met with Earl, Earl had this book holder on his desk, and it had a book open to a specific page. and 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 Dad asked him, he said, "What what is that for?" And he says, "Well, it's to uh, hold a book so I can uh, read read a passage," and you know, the first thing dad said to him, well, it's holding those pages open. How do you turn the pages when it's kind of clipped open? He says, I don't. And, and Earl says, I study these two pages until I truly know that I've gotten it. And that was something that really impacted my father. And so he had a book holder and it was on his desk. And whatever he was studying at the time, he would have it open to whatever two pages were. And he would study those pages sometimes for a week, sometimes for a month. Um, and, and would constantly read the passage until he knew that he truly understood it. Um, you know, there was value in intense study. And it was very intentional. Like, yes. I, I, I think, you know, sometimes we can, I used to be able to digest like one to two books a week. And now with learning this, and as I mentioned, you know, um, with a little bit of a health condition that I've faced, that I have been listening more than, you know, reading, but it's so much easier for me. And maybe this is one of the lessons I'm learning is to really pause and really ingest the material so that you can integrate it into who you are. I have friends who read books all the time and I would say to them, but what lesson are you taking from it? Well, you know, right? something really cool. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but no. something really cool about that is that you know, he always said, you never understand something fully until you can explain it to a child simply enough that they would understand it. And, you know, I look at his seminars and the way he taught, he taught in a very simple way because he wanted to make sure everybody understood it. And you don't get that understanding 
unless you've really delved into the material and really studied it. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful approach. And I thought I haven't learned that from anyone else other than Bob himself. Um, one of the things that you approach in the book is mindset. And we talk about mindset a lot on, on the Millionaire Woman Show. And a person's paradigm, I, I would just love for you to share um, what a paradigm is and how you've learned about making your own paradigm shifts. Because I know that there was a car that you had your eye on and you had to shift your paradigm as well. Well, you know, paradigms are both good and bad. Um, you know, paradigms are really just our attitudes, our thoughts, our habits around certain things. And, uh, you know, we have some paradigms that serve us and we have some that don't. And, you know, dad was always of the opinion that the ones that don't serve us, we can change them. And we change our paradigms through repetition, through habits, through doing certain things consistently. Um, and, you know, mindset is really all about where we put our focus. Uh, so often we don't give thought to what we're focused on. Um, so do you want me to share the story around the car? Is that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought it was a great story. Okay. So, you know, part of mindset um, is uh, there's, there's different tools that help us with mindset. And one of them is a vision board. You know, a lot of times we hear about vision boards and we think they're kind of a simple tool. Sometimes we think they're kind of a, a childlike tool, um, but there's a lot of power in a vision board. And I've got one sitting right in front of me here, right in front of my desk. So I look at it all the time. And I created a vision board many years ago. And, and on the vision board, I've got all kinds of things I want. They may not be uh, most of them are not going to be my major number one goal, although my number one goal will be on there, but there'll be all kinds of other things. And one of the things I had on this board was an old Austin Healy. Um, I just had a thing for these old Austin Healy's early 1960s, um, a little British sports car. Uh, just, just, I don't know why, for whatever reason, they really resonated with me. I thought they looked cool. They sounded great. And so I've had a vision, a vision board with an Austin Healy on it for many years. Well, back in 2016, my father was being honored at Carnegie Hall uh, for all his years in the personal development work. Um, and I thought, I'm going to go to New York and, and see this. I thought, I've got to be there for this honoring of him. And I thought, I'm going to go in for a, a couple of days early. There was always a website that I'd followed online, Cooper Classic Cars. And they always had really cool cars, you know, Ferraris, Jaguars, Porsches, Austin Healey's, all these kind of old cars that were in concourse condition, like as good as new. And I thought, I'm going to go in a couple of days early and I'm going to go down to this place and see what they've got. So I did. And I went to, down there. It was a Saturday morning. I took a nice walk, um, probably a six mile walk all down through New York to get into Greenwich Village where this, uh, where the showroom was. And I get there and everything is closed. And I discovered that they're not open. Um, but there was an intercom button. I pressed it and they said, well, we, we don't, we're not open to the public. It's an appointment only kind of place. And so I told them that I'd been following them for many years and, and asked if I could see what they had. And the fellow says, well, you're kind of lucky I'm here. So I'll come down and let you in. And he came down, turned on the lights. And instantly I'm seeing all these beautiful cars. There must've been, I don't know, 15 cars in the showroom. And Right up against the wall was an Austin Healey. It was a 1962 Austin Healey 3000. And it was exactly the car that was on my vision board. And it was just funny looking at it and thinking, wow, this is even the same color, everything. 
and I'm looking at it. It was in mint condition. I'm talking to the fella and I was like, I was very interested. It was a lot of money. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to spend that kind of money at that moment. At, at that time, I was living in Florida. I was about to renovate a house and thinking, do I really need to allocate this money to, for a car when I've got all these renovations and different things to do? And and I left. I said, let me think about it. And I, you know, I had the poker face that I wasn't too shocked at the price. And I walked out the door. Well, talk about mindset. I, I, I'm walking along and I'm thinking about this car. And I was about to turn 55. And 55 for me has just been one of those numbers. Um, no particular reason. I just think it sounds great, looks great. Um, and I was turning 55 and I had nothing really special going on for my birthday. And I wanted to make market as a special year. And I started thinking to myself, boy, I, you know, I could buy this car as a birthday gift to myself and for my 55th birthday. What a way to remember it. But it was still, it was a lot of money. And I did the one thing that would send me across the line. I called my father and I sent him a few pictures of the car and I was talking to him and he said, Brian, well, why don't you turn around and buy it? And I started giving him all the reasons why I shouldn't or couldn't. And the first thing he said to me, he says, Brian, those are reasons why you can't do it. Now, start to think of how you can do it and why you should do it. And he, this is the cool thing with that. He never, he never put his ideas onto me as to what he would think. He would have never bought an old collector car. That was just not his thing. He, the first thing he could have said to me is, why would you want something like that? You're hardly ever going to drive it. Um, you know, you could use your money for something else, but he didn't. He knew I had a passion for it. So he opened me up to what my passion around it was. And he started to get me to look at why I should do it or could do it and basically pushed me across the line. And I thought, you know what? I got to practice what we preach. Yes, I need to look at how I can do it. So I turned around and I walked back and I worked out a deal and I bought the car. Well, here's the cool thing with, you know, law of attraction, whatever you want to call it, what you've been focused on. I've, I've had this car on my vision board for probably five or six years. And after the deal was done, I said to the fella, I said, well, just to let you know, I bought this as a birthday gift for myself for my 55th birthday. And he kind of looked at me like I was a little bit nuts. And he said, well, that's nice. And away I went. And as I'm walking back to the hotel, Deborah, I, ca I, I called him up and I said, can you email me the British Heritage Certificate on the car? And he said, sure. So he emailed it to me and it was, it was you know, on my computer when I got back to the hotel room and I opened it up. Well, I was born December 8th, 1961. This car is a 1962 model. I opened it up and it was, I could feel the hair on my arm standing up. This car started to be built on December 8th, 1961, the day of my birth. And I bought it as a 55th birthday present to myself. I mean, you just, you can't make that stuff up. But no. you talk about mindset and focus and what you can bring into your life. It's kind of a whimsical, but kind of cool story, you know? Well, I think the power of the mind is really, you know, when, when you have a vision board, I know I've, I have a vision board. I, it's time to recreate a new one. I had one specifically tailored around Italy. Didn't know when it was going to happen. Bought myself a t-shirt that said, make, make it happen. And I just kept looking at it. And all I thought is there will be a way. I'm not going to worry about the how. And that's, that's one of the most powerful things. Cause I was having a discussion with a girlfriend of mine and she's like, I really want to change my career and go in this direction. She goes, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. 
And I'm like, well, you need to take a step back and you need to work on the what and the why you want to do it. So, Brian, I'd love for you to tap into why we don't have to focus on the how. Well, here's probably, Deborah, this is probably one of the best lessons I ever learned from my father. Um, He said, if a goal is big enough, if it's worthy enough, we're not going to know how we're going to get there, but it's going to inspire us to do things we would never normally do. You know, there's no motivation in a goal that you already know how to achieve. Because if you know, if you do this or you do that, you'll get there. It's kind of like that car. That wouldn't have been a worthy goal. It was a cool thing to have, but it wouldn't have been a worthy goal because I knew how I could get there. But a worthy goal should be something that's so big that we don't know how, yet we're willing to step into it. And and Mm -hmm. dad always said, if, if you have something that drives you, You will do things in a day you would never normally do. You will step out of your comfort zone because you truly want whatever it is you're going for. You won't know how you're going to get there, but you'll get there a step at a time. And as you keep stepping into that unknown, into the uncomfortable, the next step will appear. It will show itself. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy for sure. Um, However, if we can find something that truly inspires us, it's going to cause us to change in marvelous ways that will cause us to live a better life because to, to achieve something that we truly don't know how to get to, we're going to learn new things along the way. We're going to step out and get uncomfortable. And through that Mm -hmm. uncomfortableness, uh, we will become bigger. You know, he always said that a goal is not for the getting that's a benefit um, for sure. And it's great to, to achieve whatever it is. But having a worthy goal, it's it's about the growth that takes place getting there. And I really believe that. I, I know anything big I've gone after that I didn't know how I was going to get to. The growth that took place getting there and what I had to learn in the doing made all the difference in the world. And it's caused me to be able to live a much better life uh, yeah. just through doing that. One of the things I also want to mention that in the book, you talk about your father said, you know, not many people would buy themselves the car for their birthday because they either feel that they're not worthy enough or not deserving enough or, you know, like the allocation could go to so many things. But he was also reinforcing that you were, you know, being in self-care to look after yourself and protect those goals and dreams that you have. And the other thing I want to point out is, you know, for people who have a vision board, like you said, it was on your vision board for five, six years, you know, that sometimes when we have our vision boards, we think that we need to recreate a new one because that it didn't show up in a year's time. And we think that things should show up within a certain time frame, or that goal is, you know, completely out the window, I guess it's not meant for me. I'd love for you to speak a little bit more to, you know, the vision board, because you kept that picture of your car five, six years on your board. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think time is irrelevant. Um, you know, yes, we'd like to see things quickly. And we're in a society now where instant gratification seems to be a big deal. Um, but, you know, if, if the goal is worthy enough, um, it'll stay there for five or six years until you get it. Um, you'll do whatever is necessary to keep getting yourself closer to whatever those visions are, and what, whatever it is you want to bring into your life. Um, you know, Dad always said a worthy, a worthy goal or worthy things that you're looking for in your life or how you'd like to be um, will take time. And it will take time to change our habits, to change the way we do things. And if it's worthy enough, 
uh, well, it, it's not going to matter if we don't achieve it in a year. If we had a goal that we wanted to get this in a year, and we didn't reach it. Well, we maybe just picked the wrong date. That's what he would say. And he would say, let's pick another date and let's keep on going. And it's the growth that takes place getting there that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. You know, we can literally have anything we want in this world if we get focused on it and we step out and do the uncomfortable, do the things that are going to get us there. And most people aren't willing to do that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Kyle Cease, um, I don't know if you've heard of Kyle. He's a comedian and kind of a, a personal development speaker all at the same time. We had Kyle speak at one of our seminars many years ago in, in Los Angeles, and he had a great statement. He says, it's easy to measure what you're going to lose, but it's hard to measure what you're going to gain when you're going after something. And sometimes, you know, we get in these little habits of, you know, Netflix binge watching or, or any little thing like that. And these are habits. And, you, you know, the way that we're living, it may not be great, but we're, we know it. We're comfortable with it. We're in that comfort zone. We can measure what we're going to give up by giving up some of these things. You can't measure what you're going to gain. And sometimes people aren't willing to give up what's comfortable. But if you're willing to give up what's comfortable, the gain can be so great. And you'll never know what that is until you step into it. That's kind of the that's kind of the cool way to. Well, I, I think that's so powerful, just in the fact that we think that things are going to happen a certain way, and when we fall into those patterns of comfort, it's predictable. We we can anticipate what's going to happen. We don't have to worry whether we have the skill set or not. But one of the things that stood out for me is that there's always a way when it comes to your mindset. If you have a goal or a dream, there's always a way. Not only with the vision board, but the way you talk to yourself the actions that you're willing to take, because I know that there was a time when you were invited to a show and off the top of my head, I forgot the name of the show. I don't know if it was. It was the tonight show. Cars, tonight yes, show. And uh, because you were underage, they weren't going to let you in, but your dad's like, we're going to make this happen. Right. And he just pursued and pursued and it was just like, how did he make that happen? So I'd love for you to share with everyone that little bit of that story. Sure. Um, so this is going back quite a few years now. I was 15 years old at the time. Um, I had a sister who was 13 and a brother who was 11. And dad had secured tickets to the Johnny Carson show. Uh, we were in LA kind of visiting, touring around. And he got us in all kinds of different shows. And um, so we had tickets to go and see Johnny Carson show. And uh, we thought that was going to be kind of cool. That was, you know, back in... At, the prime of that show we get there well they wouldn't let us in because uh myself my sister and my brother were underage you had to be 18 or older to be able to be in the audience and this was the cool thing you know dad could have turned around and said well sorry guys and away we went but he was committed to get us in there and he said there's always a way you just have to look for a different viewpoint a different way of approaching it. And he started making calls, he started making calls to everybody he knew that could possibly make a difference. Well, he found one person that says, well, there is a way around that. You've got to sit backstage. You're not in the audience. Um, they don't have rules if you're backstage. And so this fellow uh, had connections and he reached out to somebody else that he knew and he was able to get us backstage. So we got into that show. We sat in the backstage, which was incredibly cool. Um, you know, a lot of people won't know now if they're younger, but Flip Wilson was actually the co the, the host at that day. Uh, Johnny Carson wasn't there. And so I got to meet Flip Wilson. 
Um, you know, it was just, it was really a cool experience. And we got to witness it all right from the backstage because dad was not willing to accept no. He, he said, there's always a way. So when you hit roadblocks, you know, if you're going for something, I mean, that was a silly example, but if you're going for something big and you have a worthy goal and you hit roadblocks, well, you can't let those roadblocks stop you. If you do, mm -hmm. you just giving up you've got to find another way and it's through finding these other ways that we learn the growth we learn a new way of doing things and we learn really a new way of being which is a great yeah. endeavor you know you know it's very interesting because i was listening to Rhonda Byrne yesterday and you know to that point she was talking about someone had made a comment that i'm attempting to fight for what i believe in mm -hmm. and she said be careful with that you're not fighting to get what you want. You're just looking for a different route of getting there because when you fight, there's going to be struggle. There's going to be a push and pull analogy. And I think of an event that, you know, when my son was in grade six, they had this traditional event and one of the parents had voted against not having it. They said it was too much work and too much this. And my son, it was a huge milestone for him. And he was like, mom, how, how can they not have it? And I was just like, well, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to figure out how to have it. Right. And I was just like, just, I looked at the board and I said, this is important. I don't think you guys understand how important this is, you know, and they had brushed it off. It was too much work. And then after the meeting, one of the people on the board came up to me and said, you know, there is a way it might not be what you expect, but you could do it this way. And I was like, done. And, you know, they told me that nobody was interested and 21 out of 24 families attended. And we wow. had the most spectacular evening. So, you know, knowing that there's always a way, that's the first thing that came to my mind, you know, that if, and listening to your father's, you know, persistence and passion, when, when you're connected to something and you're emotionally inclined to that affinity, that you're going to find a way it's natural to come to you. And, you know, I think about the vision board with Italy, you know, everything on the board, I didn't see, but it turned out way better than I ever expected. And I think that's one of the things that about getting tied too tightly to how it needs to unfold might be a detriment. So I'd like to hear your perspective on, you know, if we think that things have to be a certain way versus allowing, because I know one of the greatest things your father also said is I am happy and grateful for, and he also talked about having a card on you at all times. A gold card. So, you know, he was of the opinion that you can't dictate how things are going to be done because we are going to hit roadblocks and sometimes those roadblocks can be significant and it's not to deny that they're there. Of course they're there. And sometimes we need to look at another way of approaching it. He, he always had a great statement. He said, sometimes we need to let go of the how, mm -hmm. and there's power in that. You know, sometimes we think to achieve something, we have to do this and do this and do that to get there. And sometimes we just need to approach it from a different angle, a different way of being. And if you're doing something, you know, you said, uh, you know, somebody was saying that you need to fight for what you want. Well, sometimes that fighting, uh, we talked about what we said earlier, you know, force negates. Sometimes you're trying to force something, you're going to make it the barrier even stronger. 
sometimes we need to let go of a specific way of doing something and start to think of how else can I achieve this? How else can I do this? Let go of the how and just step into what can I do today that's going to get me one step closer? And as I do that, what's the next thing? And not to limit yourself to one way of getting there, but stay open, have your eyes wide open to other ways that we can get there, other people that maybe can help us. Um, you know, if, if we stay open to a broader way of getting there, the way will show itself rather than staying fixed. It has to be this way. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, and this is powerful because that word let, it seems to, you know, come up in, you know, letting things be and letting it go. And also in the perspective of in the book, you talk about the word let. And I know Corey, um, somewhat of a perfectionist, like I, I can say I'm recovering, to let things go. But also when people get caught up in the past and, you know, there's a few things that I would love to touch on there is, Let's start with the negative thought loop and how people can break out of it. Because often what we're doing is we're replaying stories from the past. Right. And we bring the past into our present that it takes up a lot of our energy. So I'd love for you to talk about how do we break the loop and how can we truly let things go so we can move forward? Okay, that's that's I'm going to show something here. Now, I realize some people are watching this. Some people are listening to it. So for those of you that are listening, I'm holding up a an hourglass. And dad always, I, I actually put the hourglass on the cover of the book um, because it just, for me, it really signified a, a major lesson that dad had taught all the time. So in this hourglass, we look at the bottom of it and that is the sand that's already gone through. That's, that's our past. He had a great statement that he would make at the seminars. He said, we cannot change the time we got out of bed this morning. And, you know, it sounds funny and, you know, you chuckle at it, but it's true. Whatever time we got up, that's the time we got up. What has happened in our past has happened in our past. We can't change it. It is what it is. And, you know, sometimes there's good things that happen in our past and there's bad things that happen in our past. But if we hang on to whatever that is good or bad, it develops this loop that keeps going in our, in our head. And we keep thinking about typically it's the bad things that keep to stay in a, in a loop. And we keep thinking of that bad thing and we let it form a part of our identity. Sometimes we need to learn to let go because we can't change what's happened. We can change our viewpoint of what's happened and how it's affected us. And he said, the future, the top of the glass, you know, is yet to have happened. We can certainly sculpt the future. We can work on where it's going to go or where it's going to be. But if we live into the future too often and not, we create anxiety in our lives. He said, the important thing is to focus on the right in between, the here and now, what's happening here and now. And the best way to get out of, I'll just set that back down, but the best way to get out of that self loop, that, that negative block that's holding you back is to start focusing on the here and now. And one of the things I, I say in the very beginning of the book and at the end of the book, what would happen in your life if you were the best version of you right now, today, every day. And if you stay focused on being the best version of you right now, the stuff that's happened in the past is not going to be in your head. And what's the future, the uncertainty is not going to be there because you're being the best version of you right now. And if you can do the best you can do right now, it's not to say tomorrow is going to be better than today. It may be a little bit worse, but 
if you're the best version of you right now and you stay focused on the present moment, what can I do right now that's going to get me closer to where I want to be? That's going to make me a better person today and who I'm surrounding myself with, my family, my friends, my coworkers. Um, boy, life will be different, Deborah. Um, it really will. And think about how much more effective we can be if we're zeroed in on the right now. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the stories that comes up to me in the book is when you were in an exper experiential learning retreat yep. and you were climbing up a, a power pole. <laughs> yeah. And how you had to bring yourself into the present moment because of your thoughts being scattered and thinking of all the things that are, you know, the pole was kind of in an angle over a valley and, you know, all tons of thoughts I'm sure were running through your head. But there was one thing that brought you back to the present. I would love for you to share what that was. Sure. So it was kind of a fun experience. And, and you know, just talking about it now, I'm reliving it. And I remember the experience. This was like a telephone pole. It was quite a high pole and it had um, kind of spikes that you could climb your way up to the top. Well, this pole was situated on the side of a valley. So it looked like you were really high up as you were climbing it. And the pole was in the ground and it was well secured, but it was wobbly. It was not like set firm. So it felt kind of weird as you're climbing it and got wobbly. Well, at the top of the pole, now I've got to say we were in a harness. So, you know, if you were to fall, you're, you're safe. But at the top of the pole, there was this probably two by two piece of plywood that was on a swivel. So it moved, it swiveled around. And the last step was probably two feet from that platform. Well, you had to be able to get yourself onto the platform. This is part of the experience and stand up. So you got a picture, you're on this pole, it's <laughs> you get to the top, it's a big step and the platform doesn't stay still, it swivels around. Yeah. Well, I got up and onto it and I started to stand up. Well, I thought for sure I'm going down. I was, I was wobbling all over the place. My thoughts were everywhere. They weren't on the moment. I was in a bit of a panic and somebody yelled, yelled up to me, breathe. And I had no idea. I wasn't even breathing. I was holding my breath. And it's, you know, we get ourselves into tough situations. Sometimes we have to look at how we, whew, we close things down. We block everything. Well, the second I breathed, it was like, oh, I, it was like, I became centered instantly. And the second I breathed, everything stopped spinning, stopped waving. And I was like calm and still on the top of this platform. It was the most incredible experience, but it, it made me aware, Deborah, that sometimes we let all these crazy thoughts take over our head. And if we just sometimes breathe and let it go, let it all out, we gain clarity and, 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 you know, we really create an equalized, I don't know, way of looking at things yeah. that, that you, you just get self-centered and, and it washes away all the anxiety, all the crazy stuff that's going on. And I, I can tell, you know, just in speaking with you, how, you have this inner calmness. And I think, you know, people are like, well, they're grounded. And, but I think there's a difference between being grounded and having a personal sense of peace within you to have the confidence, to have the courage, to do these new things, to put yourself out there. And, you know, one of the things is, is achieving that place of calm. And, you know, what, what are some of the things that you would recommend to people to reach that place within themselves? Well, really, it's 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 really what do you get focus on? Um, you know, Dad was always 
he, he always said that, you know, a calm person can accomplish so much more. Um, when you come from a calm place, you are more grounded. Uh, people will view you in a, in a positive light and you will tend to get more done. You, you, you just can be more effective. Um, I actually put in the book, uh, one of the chapters in the book um, about serenity uh, by James Allen. Uh, it's one of the chapters in uh, As a Man Thinketh. And the, the whole chapter is really about how to create calmness of mind, you know, how to center yourself so that you are coming from a peaceful place. And when we can come from a peaceful place, people want to be around you, you know, often you think if you go to a party or you go somewhere and you see that one person that's all over the place and they're 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 talking about this and that and they're like bouncing you know sometimes their energy is like oof this person's a little too much uh and you see somebody else is calm confident uh it's like wow you're kind of attracted to that person uh mm -hmm. so it's really about a way of being there's a, a statement i like to say is would you be friends with somebody that talked to you the way you talk to yourself mm -hmm. What kind of words do you use? How do you talk to yourself? And if you're not talking to yourself in a good way, you know, awareness changes everything. Once you're aware of that, you can change it. You can change that self-talk and start mm -hmm. focusing on the good. Um, you know, it's never too late to change and it's never too late to attract better into your life. It doesn't matter what stage you're at. Um, you can change the way you're talking to yourself and the way you're being right now, right here, right now. And, it, you know, if you can do that, life opens up and good things will come your way. I, I, I will be the first to admit, I, I feel I live a bit of a charmed life. I was lucky to have Bob Proctor's father and learn everything I, I learned from him. But, you know, dad didn't give me anything, yet he gave me everything, if that makes sense. He gave mm -hmm. me the way of thinking and the way of being that has allowed me to, uh, uh, you know, have a beautiful life. But I had to take action. I had to step out and do things. Um, you know, he said the the movie The Secret was great because it really set the whole personal development field on the map. He said the one <laughs> thing that Secret was lacking was it never talked about stepping out and taking action. You know, mm -hmm. yes, we think and we need to believe in what we want, but then we need to step out and do something about it. And that was always about taking action. If we can step out and take action, we will bring anything into our life that we want. Yeah. And one of the things that I, you know, I want to note that in the book, and, you know, even when I listened to Rhonda Burns interview, she mentioned that, you know, your father was reached out to several times for the secret. Yeah. And when they finally got a hold of him, he was at the right place at the right time. And, you know, people think, oh, that's just coincidence. But even when I think about you in the car, there are no coincidences when the timing and alignment shows up that everything will fall into place. And is it that you're going with blind faith? Is it that you're going with trust or that you use that as a sign that this is supposed to be this way? How do you take it? I think a little bit of all three of those, Deborah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think blind faith is a good thing. Um, you know, and, and you certainly have to trust in it. You know, when he got into the movie, The Secret, I'll, I'll just share that story a little bit. It was very interesting. Um, he had been traveling around and uh, there was some old phone messages on his phone. He asked Gina, his assistant to, uh, you know, could she follow up on all these messages? Well, one of them was Glenda, Rhonda Burns' sister. And Glenda had been trying to reach my father because they were filming this movie, The Secret. And, um, and they were almost done with it and they hadn't been able to reach him. Well, 
it ended up, they were doing the final segment. They were filming in Aspen, Colorado. And dad was actually in Aspen, Colorado when this all went down. And so all he had to do was literally walk across the street to another hotel, sit down. They filmed him for an hour and he left. And he was always open to whatever presented himself out there. This is where it's important that we need to, you know, when we're going for something big, we need to stay open to whatever is going on around us and what we can do to help get the message out. He didn't know who Rhonda Byrne was at that time. He didn't know that the secret was going to be whatever it was, but he knew that this was an opportunity to be in something that he could deliver the message of what he taught. And that was it. So he was open to it. Well, he had only ever been in Aspen, Colorado, one other time in his life. You know, you want to talk about the law of attraction. Um, and he happened to be there at that time. If he wasn't there, he would have never been in that movie. Um, so, you know, he was in it because he was willing to do whatever it took to get the message out. He did not limit to how that had to be done. That's where we talked earlier. You got to let mm -hmm. go of that. How. If his how was only keep doing seminars um, and not being open to anything else, he would have probably never been in that. Um, and because he was not fixed on the how he had to get his message out there, he brought that into his life and, and he was able to act on it. And look what happened because of it. It's, it's powerful stuff if you really you know, as we say, let go and, and let it happen. And I know in your seminars, you used to hand out the word let um, out to people who attended. Tell us a little bit more about what's the power behind let. Well, really, the, the, the power behind it is just a simple kind of trigger piece. Um, you know, we, we, we had this little message with a, a kind of let nicely written um, and it's really to allow yourself to let things come into your life. Don't force what you want to come to you. Let it come to you. Now, that's not to say that you don't step out and do things and take action. You need mm -hmm. to take action. But don't be so fixed on one way of doing things. Um, we need to let go, let go of the how. And that's 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 really all it is. It's it's just it's a matter of being at peace to the way will show itself if we're open to other ways. And if we have something really big that we're going for, we have that worthy goal. Um, you know, you you have to stay open to other ways. It's for me with this book, um, Deborah, I've got big goals around this. And it's, you know, as you probably know, you don't get rich on selling a book. Um I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this because I really feel this carries on the legacy of my father. And it lets the reader understand who my father was, not just as the speaker, but as a father, yeah. as a friend, and how I've applied his lessons to my life. Well, I am not fixed on how I'm going to make this book out in the world in a monster big way. Um, I'm just willing to step into whatever shows itself. I am willing to let things come into my life. And I'm willing to take action on whatever does show up. There's the key deal. A lot of people have things show themselves, but they won't take action towards it. So they, oh, that's too much work. Uh, or no, I don't want to do that. Well, then your goal is not worthy enough. Um, so that's that's really what the whole lead yeah. is about, just to, to stay open to other ways of doing things. Yeah. And, you know, I want to commend you because this book has so many lessons that I, I could talk to you for hours about each single topic and we'd still be here probably hours later. Um, but one of the things that comes to mind because Bog Proctor left a very powerful legacy. 
what is the legacy that Brian Proctor wants to leave? Oh, there's a good question. Uh, the legacy I want to leave, I, I just want to leave a legacy that I've touched lives, that I've shown people that there is a better way to live and that you can have what you want. And I get to do that by sharing what my father taught me. Um, that's really it. Um, I, you know, I like to be seen as, as somebody that is that can show the way to living an easier life um, with more kindness, um, more goodness in the world. Um, that's that's really it. Um, that's how I'd like to be seen. Wonderful. Well, as we're wrapping up the interview, I have a couple more questions that I love to ask our guests. One is, other than the book that you have written yourself, what is yep. one of your most powerful books that have transformed your life? Hmm. Boy, there's a good question. Um, you know, if I'm to go back, one of the first books that really did something for me um, was a book written by Og Mandino, the greatest salesman in the world. Um, I was fortunate. I got to meet Og as well. So I, I got to know who he was, but I read this long before I met him. Um, and, and for those listening, the book is not, it's not for salespeople. Um, it's for everybody. What I loved about the greatest salesman in the world was that he had these, uh, within that book, there was 10 scrolls. And what that book did for me, it taught me the power of affirmations and really what an affirmation can do for you. Um, you know, I think to the, the second scroll has always stuck with me for, gosh, I would have read that book probably at least 40 years ago, maybe more, I'm not sure. Um, but the, 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 the second one, the second scroll, it started out with, I will greet this day with love in my heart. That what a great way to live. Um, so, you know, what that book did for me, it just taught me the power of affirmations, power of positive affirmations, and how by reading certain messages over and over and over every day, that repetition, it can change our life and it can change it for the better. So there's, there's my book reference for that. That's, that's amazing. My final question is, what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Oh, that's easy. Um, living from a place of gratitude. Um, you know, one of the things I um, I do every morning, um, and, and you probably, I'm sure, have talked about this before, is write out what you're grateful for. Um, I have a journal, and I write out what I'm grateful for every day. And I think if, you know, if you can live from a place of gratitude, everything around you looks good. That's it. Um, and, and sometimes when I write out what I'm grateful for, I write out things that I don't even have in my life yet, but I, I write that I'm grateful that it's coming into my life. Um, I, I really think that if we can live from that place, we will live a rich and abundant life. So powerful. I want to thank you so much for coming on the Millionaire Woman Show, Brian. Um, of course, I would love for you to share with how people can stay in touch with you and learn more about the work and getting the book. My oh, father you. knew the secret. Yeah, so uh, you can get it. Uh, you can go to brianproctor.com. Um, there's all kinds of resources there. There's links there that you can buy the book on Amazon in whatever country you're in or Barnes and Noble, um, or simply just go to Amazon. My father knew the secret um, and, and look it up. You'll find it there. But uh, if you go to brianproctor.com, everything everything is there and uh, happy to deliver You know, upon anything in the future. Excellent. And I'll have everything in the show notes. Um, as I reached out to Brian, I said, we got to get the word out there about this book. It's very profound. And like I said, I've listened to it twice on audio. I know I'm going to be replaying it because I need to, as your father did, you know, have the passage until it's totally integrated into who you are as you move forward in life. Any final words, Brian? 
Well, I just want to say thank you, Deborah. I, you know, I appreciate being on here. It's been wonderful chatting with you. And uh, as I said earlier, I just want everybody to think about what will happen in your life if you're the best version of you right here, right now. And you do that every day. If you can live from that place, life is good. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here on The Millionaire Woman Show. Please like, share, comment, spread the word about this book. I cannot say enough that I have watched YouTube videos. <laughs> you were born rich over and over. And I am grateful for this opportunity to share this with the world. And you can also hop over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com, where you can get your free PDF of Reset Your Mindset so that you can move forward in powerful ways as well. As Mohammed Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And as always, go out and make today great.